Hello everyone, happy Wednesday and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah Brimer. I am your host of Killer Instinct. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you are a returning listener, if you are not and you are new here, welcome. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are discussing the tragic solved murder of Sadie Hartley. Sadie was 60 years old when she was murdered on January 14th, 2016. Now, this case, like I said, is incredibly twisted. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And so with that being said, let's jump right on into it today. Sadie Hartley, who was originally born as Sadie Cook, was born in 1955 in Newark, England. And she was actually the third of seven siblings. Sadie was raised by her father, Roland, who was a long-distance truck driver, as well as her mother, Olive, who was a stay-at-home mom. Now, Sadie's siblings describe their upbringing and their family as being very tight-knit and their childhood being filled with a lot of happy memories. They took family vacations each year, and they really bonded together as a family. Now, Sadie's parents really pushed all of their children to do their best in every facet of their life, especially their education. Now, Sadie attended Lily and Stone Girls Grammar School and absolutely excelled there. And after that, she then went on to complete a biological science degree at Brighton University. Now, after graduating from Branson, Sadie then went on to get a job at a pharmaceutical company called Janssen, where she worked her way up in ranking there. Then in 1981, Sadie ended up meeting an advertising director named Gary Hartley. Now, Sadie and Gary really hit it off, and the two of them actually ended up getting married. Ten years into their marriage, the two of them had their first child together. They had a son named Harry, and shortly after that, just one year later, the two of them also had a daughter whom they named Charlotte. Now, something to know about Sadie is she is one of the hardest working people that you would have ever met. She was extremely driven, and even after she had her children, she did not take a lot of time off for maternity leave. Instead, she wanted to get right back into her job and right back into her work. One of her friends actually describes this as, quote, while most people who work in the pharmaceutical industry have a passion for it, Sadie had a drive for it. She could not wait to get back to work. That was Sadie. She had a desire to make a better place. Now, in the year 2000, Sadie, as well as her best friend, another woman named Julie Taylor, they got together and decided that they wanted to start their own company. The two of them ended up founding the Hartley Taylor Medical Communications, and they built this into a strong medical firm. And while Sadie was absolutely excelling in her business life. It really couldn't have been going any better for her. Her personal life with her marriage, her relationship was not doing so well, and her and Gary actually decided to get a divorce. Now, after her divorce from Gary, Sadie really used this time to go out and live life. She had always been so hyper-focused on her career that she never really gave herself the time to experience life to the fullest, so she really took this time and took advantage of it. She started going on three ski vacations a year, as well as traveling to Morocco to go horseback riding. And along with that, she also bought a house in Cheshire, England. 
And this is where things for Sadie started to change a little bit. In the year 2002, a new man entered her life, and this man is named Ian Johnston. Now, at first, Sadie and Ian's relationship definitely had a slower start. The two of them would only be able to see each other a couple times a year due to Sadie's extremely busy schedule. So because of that, after about three years of trying to make it work, the two of them basically just fizzled out. Ian actually describes Sadie as the hardest working person he's ever met. And a couple years after the two of them decided to call it quits, in 2010, the two of them decided to give their relationship another try. By 2010, Ian had retired from his job. He had worked as a fireman. And once he'd retired, he had a lot more time to dedicate to their relationship. At this time, Sadie also purchased a new house. This house was bought solely by Sadie and Ian was going to live with her. It was a five-bedroom home located in Helmshore. Sadie Overall, as a person, was described as an adventurous mother and friend. She was the least confrontational person you were ever going to meet in your life. She never got angry. She never raised her voice. She was a completely devoted mother. She loved her children more than anything. She was incredibly successful and someone who's described as fun, trustworthy, intelligent, and kind. Now, this is when someone new comes into the picture, and that would be a woman named Sarah Williams. And to fully understand who Sarah is, it is important to know her backstory. Now, when Sarah was 17 years old, she started dating a man who was 57 years old. Now, Sarah's 57-year-old boyfriend was not a single man by any means. He was married, he had children, and Sarah was definitely considered nowadays what we would call a sugar baby. She definitely turned to her 57-year-old boyfriend for financial support, and in return, he got the physical favors. Sarah had a traumatic experience in her upbringing that she says kind of shapes who she became later on in life. When Sarah was 13 years old, she would constantly ride horses. She loved horses. She loved horseback riding. And one day while she was leaving the horse stables that she typically went to, she actually got abducted by a man and taken for about six hours. And during that six hour time period, Sarah was assaulted by this man. So obviously, as you can imagine, a traumatic experience like that would definitely shape your perspective on certain things and would definitely have a very large impact on you. Now in 2006, Sarah finally moved out of her mom's house and she moved into her own home that was purchased by her 57-year-old boyfriend. This home was located in Elsmer Port. And like I said, part of the reason Sarah was able to afford this house was because of the financial support she was receiving for her boyfriend. Every week, her boyfriend would transfer 320 pounds into her bank account, which in American dollars translates to about $440. In 2010, Sarah purchased a new home in Chester and her boyfriend gave her 75,000 pounds for that, which again in US dollars translates to about $100,000. And that was to cover half of the purchase price of the house. And like I said, he would give Sarah financial support and the two of them went on about 12 vacations a year, Sarah and this 57-year-old boyfriend of hers. Now, just one day prior to Sarah's 30th birthday, she was driving on the road and she ended up passing a ski resort 
resort in Manchester called the Chill Factory Indoor Ski Center. And so she immediately pulled over and wanted to try it out. And she ended up spending so much time there that she eventually got a job there as a sales advisor. Now, before her employment, while she was still dating her boyfriend, Sarah got into a new relationship with a man who was called Master A at the Indoor Ski Center. And like I said, Sarah was now juggling two different relationships, one with Master A and one with her original 57-year-old boyfriend. And her boyfriend, her original boyfriend, became very jealous of this relationship and he was not happy about it whatsoever. So Sarah actually ended up breaking up with Master A. And not long after that, she got into another second relationship with a man named Andy Poole. Sarah and Andy met in 2012 and this relationship lasted for about a year before Andy basically gave Sarah an ultimatum and told her that she either had to be with him or be with her 57-year-old boyfriend. And Sarah decided to choose her original boyfriend over Andy. So that was the end of her relationship with Andy. And that is where Ian Johnston, Sadie's boyfriend, comes into play. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, apartments.com's instant alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Ian Johnston and Sarah Williams met in 2012 while working at the ski resort. Ian was an instructor at the ski resort and offered to give Sarah some lessons. However, instead of actually giving her skiing lessons, the two just exchanged phone numbers and started dating instead. Now, there is very differing opinions from both Ian's end and Sarah's end on what this relationship actually was. Now, while Sarah says that this was dating, this was a relationship, she was really, really interested in Ian, Ian simply saw this as a purely sexual relationship, purely for what he says, entertainment, and he did not see it in any serious way whatsoever. And if we're looking at this timeline, you might be wondering, I mentioned earlier that Sadie and Ian decided to give their relationship another shot in 2010, and Ian and Sarah are meeting in 2012. Ian and Sadie had always had an on and off relationship, and during the time that they were off is when Ian said he originally met Sarah. And Sarah and Ian's relationship, whatever that was, only lasted a month before Ian decided to cut it off because him and Sadie got back together again. So just to clarify Ian's story is that during the time that him and Sadie were off, he met Sarah. And then once him and Sadie decided to get back together, he ended up ending things with Sarah. Now, Ian ending his quote unquote relationship with Sarah sent Sarah into an obsessive, jealous rage. For the following years, Sarah tried to break up Ian and Sadie's relationship in any way that she possibly could. And this plot to break up Ian and Sadie was not done solely by Sarah herself. This is when another woman comes into the picture. And this woman is named Katrina Walsh. Katrina Walsh was a horseback riding instructor who's 20 years older than Sarah. As you can tell, there's a trend with Sarah. She tends to hang out with older 
people. And Sarah and her had met because Sarah had been going to the horse stables that Katrina had worked at since she was about 12 years old. Katrina was also involved in a biker group and would ride her Harley Davidson motorcycle in that group. And in 1984, Katrina married a man named Kevin Walsh, but Kevin ended up leaving Katrina for another woman in 2008. After being left by her husband is when Katrina and Sarah got extremely, extremely close. Friends of Katrina said that Sarah was a great support system for Katrina at the time. Now, Katrina's ex-husband, Kevin, describes Katrina as someone who definitely lived in more of a fantasy world. She was always really into dragons and mythical creatures and sometimes had a hard time differentiating between what was reality and what was fantasy. Katrina was described as someone who's extremely artistic and creative. However, she's also said to have very limited social skills. People who knew Sarah and Katrina said that Katrina was in complete awe of Sarah at all times. The two of them would go on holiday vacations together and really spend all of their free time together. Now, it was never clear what the actual title of their relationship was, if it was strictly platonic or if this was a romantic relationship. There are a lot of people who have very differing opinions on this. There are people who say that this was more than platonic and there's people that say that they were simply just best friends, but that has never been made clear to the public. Now let's talk about where this case begins on January 14th, 2016. Now this was a Thursday and during this time, Ian was away. He was out of the country on a skiing vacation. Now, because Ian was away, this left Sadie at home by herself for a couple days until he came back. Now, this began as any normal day for Sadie. She woke up, she went to work, and after work, she went and checked in on one of her horses. Sadie didn't own a horse, so she went to go check in on her horse and took care of her horse before heading back to her house. Now, the following day on the 15th of January, when Sadie did not show up for work, her co-workers got worried. This was extremely unlike Sadie. I've spent a lot of time telling you how driven of a person she was. So for her to just not show up to work with no explanation was not like her at all. So her coworker actually decided to call the police after not being able to get a hold of her and asked the police to do a wellness check on Sadie. Now, when the officers arrived to Sadie's house and no one answered the door, they ended up letting themselves in. And when they did, they discovered Sadie's body lying on the floor after what appeared to be a gruesome and brutal attack. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back. After an autopsy was performed, it showed that Sadie had been stabbed 41 times, as well as being tased with a stun gun. Now, the first thing that authorities did after finding Sadie's body was inform her children, as well as Ian. And Charlotte, Sadie's daughter, had actually just gotten engaged the day prior to her mother's murder. Now, after speaking with Ian, it did not take long for authorities to think of anyone who could want to hurt Sadie. There was an obvious 
obvious person who could have possibly wanted to hurt Sadie, and that was Sarah Williams. Very quickly, suspicions rose, and Sarah Williams was arrested three days after the murder on January 17th, 2016. Now, the following day on January 18th, 2016, Katrina Walsh was also arrested for the murder of Sadie Williams. Now, you may be sitting here wondering how authorities had enough evidence to put all this together, how they were able to prove that Sarah and Katrina were responsible for this. So let's break it down. Now, authorities learned very quickly that Katrina and Sarah had been plotting Sadie's murder for 18 months prior to her death. Authorities also learned that in September of 2014, Sarah had sent Sadie a very threatening and cryptic letter that I'm actually going to read you an excerpt from. Quote, Dear Sadie, I think you should know that Ian has been cheating on you for over a year. He has been having an affair with me since he returned from Camp Suisse in August 2013. In his own admission, Ian is not in love with you. He never has been and he never will be. The lack of any form of chemistry or spark between you two has been mentioned several times by different people who have no vested interest in either of you. We have been sleeping together and everything else that goes along with it, week in and week out for some considerable amount of time now. Have a look around the house. There's plenty of my things around the place. Has he even changed the sheets since we were there the last time? The sex is unbelievably fantastic, the best he's ever had by a really, really long way. We have never been able to get enough of each other. Should you choose to talk to him about this, bear in mind it was not a one-off, an accident, or mistake, or any other form of an excuse. This was a choice made freely over and over again for more than 12 months now. Now, it's important to note that Ian and Sarah did not have a physical affair after 2012. They had no form of a physical relationship after 2012. However, Ian did not completely cut Sarah out of his life either. While he describes her as obsessive and delusional, Ian did not do anything to try and necessarily stop Sarah from being obsessive and delusional. He never blocked her number. He never did anything really to cut her out of his life. However, after Sarah sent that letter to Sadie, Ian stopped communicating with Sarah, meaning Ian stopped returning Sarah's texts and her phone calls. However, in May 2015, Ian and Sarah did bump into each other again at the Chill Factory Indoor Skiing Center. And this is where everything kind of re-sparked again and their communication sparked again. Now, just one month prior to the murder, Ian and Sadie attended a Christmas party at the Chill Factory, and Sarah was also in attendance. There's actually a picture of Ian and Sadie sitting together with Sarah in the background, and it's incredibly eerie because at this point, Sarah had been planning Sadie's murder for months. But what Ian didn't know at this time was that for about a month leading up to this Christmas party, Sarah had been tracking Ian's every move. Sarah had purchased a GPS tracking device and placed it underneath Ian's car. That way she would be able to know where he is at all times. And just to strengthen the fact that Ian never really tried to cut Sarah out of his life, just 10 days prior to the murder, Ian and Sarah were sending very explicit texts to each other, explicit pictures. So even though there was no physical contact between the two of them, they weren't texting just about how each other's day was or anything that was platonic or friendly. It was very sexually based. 
Now, along with this, after Katrina's arrest, authorities went to her place of work as well as her home. And when they did that, they found diaries that Katrina had kept. And these were diaries that Katrina had kept over the course of years. Now, finding these diaries was really the smoking gun to this case because when authorities looked through the diaries, they found that Katrina had basically wrote about the planning of this murder. And the diaries were the way that the authorities were really able to keep track of how long Sarah and Katrina had been planning this. Now I'm going to read you some of the entries from these diaries and you'll notice that when I do, Katrina talks about this almost as if it's a game. The language that she uses, the way she says certain things, and that goes back to what Katrina's ex-husband, Kevin, said about her was that she lives in this fantasy world. She's not really clear on what's fantasy and what's reality. In September 2014, Katrina wrote an entry that said, quote, Sarah came home, so we got caught up in endless murder plots for Ian's other half. In June 2015, she wrote, we're also seriously talking of getting rid of her opponent. I agree, it's probably a good play. She does seem to be a totally evil bitch. August 2015, she wrote, wow, I may get to be instrumental in helping remove the awful woman. This may happen. Wow, I am unexpectedly excited by it. I have no moral qualms. Just as serious, don't let us get caught. Now in September 2015, Katrina wrote about an idea that her and Sarah had in order to cover up the murder. And that idea was to place an ISIS flag at Sadie's home after the murder to make police think that this was some sort of ISIS attack. December 2015, just one month before the murder, Katrina wrote, I will get a trip to Germany out of this. Took ages to wind down all of the excitement of plotting the perfect murder, end quote. Authorities also learned through these diary entries that once the GPS tracking device was placed under Ian's car, that tracking device was how Sarah and Katrina were able to figure out where Ian lived. And once they figured out his address and Sadie's address as well, they drove by it multiple times to scope out the house. Sarah even went to the extent of purchasing a second car with a faulty license plate. That way the car would not be able to be traced back to her. And not only that, a week prior to these murders, Katrina hand-delivered a bouquet of flowers to Sadie's front door and gave them directly to Sadie. And again, the purpose of this was to further scope out and case the house. Katrina physically handed over flowers to Sadie. And what Sadie didn't know is that she was accepting the flowers of a woman who was plotting her death. Now, along with that, police learned that Sarah and Katrina had traveled to Germany in order to buy the stun gun that they used to paralyze Sadie. They went to Germany in hopes of it not being traceable. However, police were able to pick up surveillance footage at the store of them purchasing it. Authorities also discovered the stun gun and kitchen knife that was presumed to be the murder weapon at the horse stables that Katrina worked at, hiding underneath a pile of dirt. And surprisingly enough, Katrina was actually the one that led them to the murder weapon in order to gain some leeway in her sentencing in all of this. Now, when searching for any DNA evidence throughout Sarah's home, authorities found the home to be scrubbed from top to bottom with bleach. However, after a lot of inspection, they discovered small pieces of DNA on Sarah Williams' bathtub, as well as DNA on Sarah Williams' glasses. And both of those DNA samples were linked back to belonging to Sadie Hartley. Now, having this DNA, having the physical DNA, really gave authorities all the evidence that they needed to go ahead and charge Sarah and Katrina. Now, it was said that after Sarah was first arrested, her demeanor was cool, 
calm, collected. However, after they got a hold of Sarah's cell phone and were able to ping her phone to be at Sadie's house at the time of the murders, that is when she completely shut down and would not answer any questions, and she answered everything with no comment. Now, July 5th, 2016 is when this trial began. Now, in the trial, it was revealed that there were 30 text messages exchanged between Ian and Sarah in the 10 days leading up to the murder. It was also during the trial that Ian was informed that he had been removed from Sadie's will. And this was a very, very shocking thing for him to find out. He had absolutely no idea and he found out while he was standing on the witness stand after being asked if he was in Sadie's will. This was a big deal for him because not only did he not have any financial support because Sadie was really the breadwinner in the family, it also meant that he was not going to be able to live in the house that he and Sadie had lived in. Now, both Katrina and Sarah pled not guilty to charges for murder and the trial lasted a little bit over a month. And on August 17th, 2016, Katrina and Sarah were both found guilty of murder. Sarah Williams was sentenced to at least 30 years to life in prison, whilst Katrina Walsh was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Now, you may be wondering, where does Ian lie in all of this? Because there are a lot of people who have questioned his involvement, his possible involvement, from the very beginning. However, he was ruled out by authorities very quickly. Not only was he out of town at the time of this, however, after speaking to him directly, authorities believe that he had absolutely absolutely no idea that this was going to happen. Now, regardless, there are still people who believe that Ian instigated all of this by provoking Sarah simply by just continuing to engage with her and not cutting it off. A quote from Ian is, quote, there's obvious responsibility because in its simplest forms, if I'd never met Sarah Williams, she wouldn't have been in this position where she would go ahead and murder Sadie. I'll never know what her motivation for that is. She decided to do that. It's very much her responsibility responsibility. How I absolutely wish I had never met her. I didn't for one minute feel or have any inkling that any of this had been planned. Even if I had, I've been assured by police that there's nothing I could have done to stop this. I should have had more sense. The remorse I feel, the objective horror that's happening, and the consequences of meeting her. I just will regret it forever, end quote. And he also went on to say, quote, if anyone wants to blame this on a few ridiculously bloody texts, then it's just outrageous. There was nothing I could do to force or stop this. I wasn't culpable in the death of Sadie, end quote. I do think that even though there is no way that Ian could have ever thought that this was going to happen or predicted this, it is a little silly to say that he doesn't know what the motivation behind Sarah killing Sadie was. Obviously, the motivation behind Sarah murdering Sadie was so Sarah could then get closer to Ian. It's very simple. Now, when it comes to Sadie's children, they have not communicated with Ian whatsoever since the moment they found out that their mother was murdered. And I think that that's very telling. And I think that because this is a man that their mother had been dating on and off for 10 years. And after she was murdered for them to just not say anything to him, I think that's very telling on Ian's character. Meaning I think it speaks volumes to what Sadie's children think about Ian. In its simplest forms, Ian should have stopped 
any communication with Sarah from the moment he decided to become serious with Sadie. It's not rocket science. Even if nothing else, he should have stopped communication completely after Sarah sent Sadie that letter. That letter should have given Ian the idea that this was not going to end well if he continued with Sarah and that Sarah clearly, as he knew, was obsessive and delusional, has now gone borderline psychotic. But that is the case of Sadie Hartley, and I am very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. All right, you guys, that is going to be all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, again, hi, my name is Savannah, and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday, and you're not going to want to miss it. You can go follow us on Instagram at Killer Instinct Podcast, as well as you can email me any requests, suggestions, questions, theories at Killer instinct podcast at gmail.com again that's just killer instinct podcast at gmail.com i'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys and until then stay safe